Shannon, the owner of Dossie Bridal. And me, Alex, bridal stylist, previous Dossie Bride, and now bridal coach and owner of Bride in Mind. This is the home of all things Dotty. We'll be interviewing lots of amazing people from our team to our brides to other industry professionals. This is the place for all things bridal. And if you are planning your wedding, then you need this podcast alongside your bridal journey. So today's podcast is all about me. This is the worst one for me. The one that I'm not sure why anybody wants to know, but here it is. So I am your host, Shannon Martin, the owner and founder of Dossie Bridal. So in this episode, I'm going to talk all about where I began, how the business got to where it is, and a little bit about where it is today so that you've got a little bit more insight into what's going on. So here goes the long anticipated podcast. It's only taken me a matter of months to record this um, as I thought it would be quite easy to do a podcast, but it's not. Um, So kudos to anybody who's done this already. So as I've said in the intro, I'm Shannon Martin and I am the owner founder of Dotty Bridal, which is based in West Yorkshire. So we're in a little village, which isn't a village, it's actually a town, but it's a very small town called Home Firth, which for anyone above the age of 30, I'd probably say, this is the home of Last of the Summer Wine. So the famous TV show was filmed here in Home Firth and one of the reasons why I was drawn to this area. So I'm going to try and not babble on. Um, I don't want to bore you all, but um, lots of people have asked me about my story and to talk about where it all began and to go right back to the beginning. And I'm like, have you got hours? Because it will take me hours. Uh, (laughs) But I promise I'm going to try and keep it concise. So I've got some pointers to go off here. Um, So yeah, I'm going to go right back to um, my early years. So I'm an only child. So I was brought up by my mum and dad, who was a very, very loving family. They definitely taught me the value of money from an early age. I wasn't one of the stereotypical only children where I got spoiled. (laughs) That's what everybody seems to think of an only child. That certainly wasn't the case for me. My dad put me to work the minute that he could put me to work. And I remember from a very early age, probably potentially maybe seven or eight, packing little screws and nuts and bolts into little packets that went with baths. So my dad made baths for a living. Um, And I used to pack the little screw packets that got sent out with the baths. (laughs) So that was my first experience of work. Um, But sort of earlier than that, I do actually remember as a child playing in the garden, wanting to open my own shop. So I used to have Easter egg boxes randomly. My granddad used to keep Easter egg boxes for me and I would convert his garden shed into my little convenience store where I sold my Easter eggs to the passing public which was my nana and granddad <laughs> and um, I loved it so every Easter we used to keep the boxes or he used to keep the boxes for me um, and that's what I did I sold things in my little shop so I think it's always been in me the shopkeeper has definitely always been in me um, and I had a fab upbringing really I as I said was an only child I was definitely a little bit of a daddy's girl um, and my parents have always supported me, supported me in everything that I've wanted to do. So I went to school, did did well at school, got my GCSEs, went on to college where I did a sports and exercise science BTEC, which I absolutely loved. I'm not, I always say this and people are like, you shouldn't put yourself down, but I'm not the brightest. I never know this saying and I'm well known for bad sayings, shannonisms as they're called. Is it the brightest bulb in the box or something like that sharpest tool in the box something like that don't know whether that's a Yorkshireism as well I'll apologize now for my strong Yorkshire accent (laughs) and um, anyhow so went to college and did this BTEC which I absolutely adored I did really well in that I got three distinctions which I'm still proud of to this day because it's the only high level of achievement in um, uh, academic achievement that I've got really And I also did biology because I wanted to be a physiotherapist. So my granddad had um, three strokes whilst he was was with us and 
I saw how the physios rehabilitated my granddad and how they got him walking again. So it really made me think, do you know what? This is what I want to do. I want to work on a stroke ward. I want to be part of the NHS where I can help um, rehabilitate people and give them a life back again. Um, So that's what I wanted to do. So I thought, right, I'm going to apply for university. So that I did. And my biology teacher actually said to me at the time, there's absolutely no chance that you'll get on that degree, Shannon. It's the second hardest degree in the UK to get on. There's no chance you'll get on it. You're not bright enough. And I remember to this day saying it to me. So... It's like a red rag to a bull when somebody tells me I can't do something, which is another thing that I'm very well known for. Um, So I thought, no, lady, I'll prove you wrong. So I did my biology um, A-level. And she was right, I failed it. I did terribly. But because I got the VTEC um, at three distinction level, I'd actually overachieved what I needed to get into the university. So that was me into Bradford University. I did a year of a physiotherapy degree, which I absolutely adored. However, I did really struggle with the academic side of things. She wasn't wrong in the fact that it's a very, very hard degree. Um, I did extremely well at all my practical work, but really struggled with the exams. So it wasn't for me. I was at the time working for Miss Selfridge, which I'll go back and, and touch on in a second. And they were offering me more hours and to work up to being their in-store visual merchandiser. So I decided, right, I'm going to have a year out of university. So that's what I did. I had a year out and never went back. (laughs) So the biology teacher was probably right, but never mind. It wasn't for me. Um, It was a hard time having, you know, leaving university because... My in my family, no one had really gone to university, so I did feel that I'd let my parents down. But they, you know, they backed me, and they was they were like, you know, if you don't want to do all this, Shannon, it's fine. Um, you do what what you want to do, and and that's what I did. So, um, backtracking from from that point, I worked from a very early age. So I actually was on a work placement at Miss Selfridge in Huddersfield, um, and I knew. I knew that I absolutely loved that that work placement, so I thought, right, I'm going to see if I can um, get on with these guys. So that I did, and they actually offered me a job as a weekend girl, but I was only 14 at the time. I was either 13 or 14. Um, so they, they had to get a work permit for me, so they had to apply to the council to get a permit to allow me to go to work, <laughs> which they got, and then I worked there. So I worked my way up in Miss Selfridge, and as I say, I left university um, and went into Miss Selfridge working as their in-store visual merchandiser full-time. Um, but yeah, I think backtracking again, so that's what I'll keep doing, as a child, I... I I didn't really know that my parents didn't have a lot of money. I never felt deprived. I never felt like I missed out on the things. But all I knew from them too was that they worked so hard and I never felt that I missed time with them at all. I had fantastic grandparents who I spent a lot of time with. Um, but I just knew that my mum and dad worked really hard and my mum's imagination is crazy. So she's owned her own businesses as well. She's actually um, a knitwear designer and pattern writer. So she that's what she does now. And she, you know, definitely 100% is the, is the one person that will take risks. And she's definitely the reason why I take risks because my dad's very safe and, you know, he's been in the same job since he was 18. He's, he's a very safe kind of guy, whereas my mum's the risk taker. And I think if I hadn't have had a risk taker of a mum like my mum, I don't think I'd be where I am today. Um, But yeah, as I say, I wanted to work from an early age. I really did. So I worked at a local bakery. We are in a lovely hairnet. Um... <laughs> I absolutely at the time I didn't care I was like yeah it's fine I want a job um I worked at a hairdresser's salon and then obviously then went on to work for Miss Selfridge which I always say Miss Selfridge and Arcadia paved the way for my future so I went into a very corporate environment from an early age and that for me was fantastic because I knew the boundaries I knew the rules I knew exactly what I needed to do um and what was expected of me so yeah that's what I did um I worked there, worked my way up to being store manager, which I did for about a year and a half. And I then went on from Miss Selfish to work for a company called White Stuff, where I ran their store in Leeds. 
Um, after a couple of months in there, they wanted me then to run their Harrogate store as well. So I ran both the Leeds and Harrogate stores. So that was a clothing brand. So White Stuff is still around now for those of you that don't know it. And yeah, it was great. I learned again so much at White Stuff. And that's something that's in me. I absolutely love learning. I, I, I'll never change. I'm still the same today. If somebody can teach me something, I, I want to know. I'm, I'm open to learning all the time. And I do think that that has really, really helped me. Um, I then went on from White Stuff to work for Kath Kidson, which I would say is my absolute favourite job. I loved it. So I got headhunted to go to work for Kath Kidson. And that is where I met the lovely Anna, which thank goodness I met the lovely Anna because I definitely wouldn't be where I am today without her. Um, Myself and Anna, Anna already worked for Kath Kidson. So she was a huge help to me because I knew nothing and she knew everything so myself and Anna went and opened their Meadow Hall flagship store from from brand new recruited the full team and what an achievement that store was so we were a four million pound turnover store we were the second best store in the company and it was incredible I loved my days there um, then along came Victoria's Secret to the UK. So myself and Anna thought, let's see that the grass is probably greener on the other side. Let's go. So Anna went on to work for Victoria's Secret in Leeds and I went to work for the Meadow Hall store. And it was it was great. Again, we learned so much there. And that's where I met Claire. So Claire is our boutique manager. And again, another one. Without Claire, I definitely would not... I think I'd have a full head of grey hair if it wasn't for Claire. So thank goodness for Claire. Um, Yeah, so that was Victoria's Secret. Worked there for, I think it was only around six months and then went on to open my own business. So I actually got married um, towards the end of my career at Victoria's Secret and that's what started all of this. <laughs> um. I also like wanted to say that I, it's something really random this, but I always remember in year eight geography, we had to make a video. So we had to make a video of how we would put on a tar in Ibiza. So we had to pretend that we were, we were reps, 18 to 30 as it was then and then. And myself and my best, one of my best friends, Jess, actually made this video and we made it in our house. Well, it was in Jess's house at the time. And it was fantastic, this video. We thought it was. We were honestly thought we were the bee's knees. And her granddad edited it all up for us. And we put on a full show, so we pretended we were holiday reps walking around, <laughs> walking around the house. Um, and we submitted it to our geography teacher. And honestly, we, we were graded at an A star at GCSE level, and we were only in year eight. So again, I think I've always known that there's been something in me to run a business or run something of, of that kind and throughout my career in retail I really saw that so I worked so hard for every single retailer that I worked for and I think I did just get to the point where I thought do you know what I'm doing all this and I'm working so hard for all these people why could I not just do this for myself but it was a little bit alien to me I didn't really know anybody that had their own retail business I, I didn't have a clue I really didn't have a clue what I were doing um, but I just thought to myself, just go for it. Just just try. You never know. It, what's the worst that's going to happen? Um, but growing growing up, I always, always said to people, I, I'll be a millionaire one day. And my thing has always been, I'll have a swimming pool in my garden. I, I know it. I know that I will. And everybody's always laughed at me and been like, oh, yeah, of course you will. But I will not give in until I have a swimming pool and I am a millionaire. <laughs> um but I think because I've always had that as my goal, I've always, always had something to work towards and I, I love to work. So people say that at time that, you know, when do, when do you have time off? Like switch off, try and, try and turn your head off. And, you know, it's, all, it's always go, go, go. But for me, I like that. I like to be busy. I like to have challenges. I complain, I go home and I'm and probably, you know, every night of the week, I can't cope, I've got too much work on, but... I love it really and I really wouldn't change anything um but when I sit back and think of where I've come from and where I am now it's crazy and I don't often do that I do really struggle with that I've put a few things on my social media recently saying that I do really struggle to um you know to look and think about my achievements and where I've come from and it's very easy to forget 
all the hard times and God was their hard times, that it's difficult and it's difficult to have to compromise your time with your children. But I just ensure that I have my set days that I work and I have my set days with my children and I have to be really, really strict with myself. So yeah, so I met my husband who I've been with now for gosh how long have we been with him 15 years so yeah I met him when I was 20 we've been together ever since so we got married like I say eight years ago um and yeah it feels like two minutes ago that we first met so I was working at Miss Selfridge then um as a star manager and what I was on probably about 18 grand a year back then I'm always saying now god I remember my first job I was on about three pound 20 an hour <laughs> look what they get now <laughs> um so that makes me sound old. I am only 35, honestly. So yeah, I was on about 18 grand a year there. My first car was a white Nissan Micra and I bloody loved that car. Absolutely loved it. I had it, um, I bought it off a friend's dad for £250, but it was like the biggest thing that I'd ever bought at the time and I'd bought it myself. I'd raised the money up from working at my Selfridge. Um, myself and James moved out of our like family family homes you know with with our parents um quite early on so I think we'd only been together for about a year so renting my first house when I was about 21 and yeah it wasn't very nice to be honest that first house and it's something that I I think I've forgotten very quickly but yeah we had a gas and electric meter so we had to top up a card across the road at the co-op and that's how we got hot water um and heating and I remember one year James had gone away for New Year so I was I was there on my own with my friend Amy and he hadn't left me any money and I didn't have any money so we had no heating and no hot water and I remember spending New Year's Day in bed me we probably had a hangover anyway so it's not really that bad in bed me and Amy under the duvet because we were absolutely Baltic as they say up here um and that's what we did so we spent the whole of new year in bed because we were so cold so yeah times were hard when when we first started out when you know when i when we first got together it really was and that's probably what spurred me on to work as hard as i always have done so i worked my butt off to try and move my way up and i did that i did i've obviously mentioned that that i worked worked so hard to get to where i wanted in my career and i was really pleased with where i got to in retail i wanted to get to the top to be a flagship store manager and that is that's what I achieved so yeah so after I met James um after I met him we were together obviously we then got married in 2013 unlucky for some but not us because we are still together touch wood (laughs) that carries on um yeah so we got married we got married at the beautiful Ripley Castle in Harrogate and what an absolutely amazing venue that is Right, so I'm going to get into the nitty gritty because I know you're all thinking, shut up babbling on. (laughs) How did you open the shop? So here it is. So I, as I said, I got married in 2013 and it's the old cliche thing of I got married, I looked at my dress, thought that there was a gap in the market. So that's why I opened and that is really why I opened. There's no fancy, fancy story made up or anything. That's why I opened. So I sold bras for a living prior to that and I felt that I gave a better experience to somebody buying a bra than you got when you bought a wedding dress because back then, like it makes me sound like I'm really old, but back then there was nowhere near the choice that there is now. There was nowhere near the choice of boutiques to go to as there is now. It was probably, I know for a fact, it was a lot easier for people to sell wedding dresses back then because there just wasn't the amount of shops that there is now and the the amount of choice in wedding dresses and and the research there was nowhere to research you went to a wedding fair or you read a magazine you know that's that's where we advertised to start with so I started on my honeymoon and James absolutely goes mad at me for this he's like you literally spent our whole honeymoon planning your business but to be honest it wasn't that mad actually it was like yeah let's do it and I would like to point out that without him I wouldn't have been able to set up the business. So for a long, long time, I took no wage. I know a lot of you are going to be exactly the same. There was no way that I could take a salary out of it at the start. It didn't make anywhere near enough money. It only made enough money to keep the blooming doors open, you know. 
Um, so I did rely on him for a long time. And yeah, I'm, you know, we look now and we think, well, it was worth it, wasn't it? Because look where we are now. So I started planning, started researching, and I thought, do you know what? There's a bit of a gap in the market here. There's no, there's no, what do people do with a wedding dress after they've worn it? So it just gets put in a box or you put it in your loft and it goes mouldy or whatever. So I thought, why, why is nobody selling wedding dresses that have been worn? I mean, now I kind of know the reason why. <laughs> Back then I didn't. So I started looking into it and realising that there wasn't really anywhere. There was no such thing as pre-loved then. There was eBay, but, you know, dresses didn't really go for much on there. So I thought, right, let's have a little think about this, if I could make this happen. So then started. I wrote up a business plan and then I thought to myself, do you know what, I'm going to apply for The Apprentice. So I've absolutely always loved The Apprentice, BBC Apprentice with Lord Sugar. So I thought, I'm going to apply. So I applied and I got on to having an interview and, and down to the um, the second stage of the um, selection process. So I had my interview and as I was talking to the lady that was interviewing me, she was like, this is a really good idea. Like there's there's nothing out there like this. It's, it's really, really good. And I don't know, there was just something in that that made me think, you know what, I'm going to do this. So I didn't get on the show. So that was about eight years ago now. Didn't get on the show, but I thought, right, I'm going to do this this is the time so that I did so I started looking for business premises um and obviously had done a business plan of sorts but then was thinking I have no money I don't have a penny here to set this business up my parents can't give me any money um you know they'd worked all their life to keep me and to you know to provide for me and to give me a great life but they weren't in the position that they would be able to give me money to set up the business um and and that I didn't really want to ask for anyway so I started looking into funding I think it was my mum that actually found it so she found Business Enterprise Fund who were in Bradford at the time and they needed me to submit a business plan and a P&L and everything to them so I did that and I got a loan for 10 grand so the whole business started off literally 10 grand um and that and that was it so I started looking for business premises found a building straight away in home firth so I didn't really know home firth that well I just knew that my nana absolutely loved home firth and she loved last of the summer wine and everything about it so I thought you know what this is really nice let's let's look at home firth went to look at the building loved it when I look back now, I think, God, Shannon, what were you doing? It had no essential heating. It had single glazed windows. It was above a cafe. It really was not the right location for, for a bridal shop, but it had a car park outside. And that I knew if it had a car park, then people would come. So we took it on and that's when Evelyn Taylor, Evelyn Taylor Bridal was born. So my nana was called Evelyn and her maiden name was Taylor. So it just seemed perfect. And, and there it was, Evelyn Taylor Bridal. So I stocked my shop full of people's wedding dress, people's wedding dresses, dresses that I'd bought off eBay. I literally used to go on eBay and buy dresses for like £80 off there. And I think I had 20 dresses when I started that shop. Um, and the business grew. I struggled on my own. I realised that it was physically impossible to do with the amount of work that I needed to do on my own. Um, I had no children, obviously, at the time. It was just me and my husband. So he worked full time. Um, I think he worked nights at the time. So I had like full days at work and then the nights as well because he was he was at work, which was great. But I thought I can't carry on on my own, but I can't afford to hire anybody. So Anna used to actually come along and do our window displays and she worked for Victoria's Secret, you know, as I've mentioned. And I thought, do you know what? I'm going to see whether Anna wants to come on board now I know she was on a very good salary. I knew I could pay her nowhere near that. But I just thought, let's just ask her. And she agreed. Can you believe it? So she agreed and she was like, yeah, absolutely. I'll come on board full time. So at that point, I mean, I don't know if Anna actually knows this, but I didn't pay myself. I paid Anna. So I thought to myself, right, I'm in a position where hopefully, you know, we, me and James can just about get by on his salary. So I'm just going to pay Anna and not pay myself so that I did and it was the best thing I ever did honestly the best thing I ever did and I, I think you know me and Anna are a great partnership um, Anna does all our she's our head of marketing now for the business and uh, she's she's a ting to my gin definitely 
is that girl i couldn't go without her she's absolutely amazing and she's been with me from the start which is fantastic she gets it so we started to get to the point where we realized that um the brides coming in were buying the pre-loved gowns but my seamstress margaret um was saying to me you know these girls that are, you're selling their dresses for them are saying that these dresses aren't altered but they are and you're then selling it onto a bride i'm opening it up and finding that it's being altered which is an issue because it's i can't then re-alter it to fit someone we then were having issues with the length of the dresses obviously if you've got somebody that's quite petite but then someone really tall wants to buy that dress it was a problem so it just didn't work so we started thinking right instead of pre-loved why don't we sell samples so we used to go to other bridal shops and we'd bulk buy dresses off them and then we'd sell them in the shop. We used to bulk buy them um, from like designers, from like discontinued styles um, and eBay sometimes. And sometimes, honestly, they were in absolutely horrific condition to the point where you think like these bridal shops were just going to probably throw them away. But I thought, no, you've got to start somewhere. And the devil boy in me everybody likes to call me Del Boy just thought fix them up so my mum used to fix them up for me she'd sew the beads back on she'd you know put new zips in she'd do whatever whatever needed doing to these dresses she would do and we would sell them on so sometimes we would just sell, put them back on eBay but they'd be obviously in immaculate condition we'd have had them cleaned and everything and that's how we made our money and we did really really well um we made a killing we made an absolute killing out of other people's waste really because it, it was waste it was things that they didn't want to sell we then sort of started thinking right let's branch out so people were asking us for shoes and things like that so we actually used to sell rachel simpson shoes as samples for a bridal shop so she would this lady would want to get rid of her shoe her old shoes when a new collection came out we'd buy them off and we'd sell them but then we started finding that we'd only got odd pairs so brides were saying oh well can I get this in a six or a seven and we were like oh they're only one-offs so it was really restrictive and that designer was Rachel Simpson so we thought right let's approach Rachel and see whether she would supply to us and honestly I, re I really remember really vividly that people used to look down their nose at me and Anna they used to be like oh no we don't supply to outlets oh god no and we got a lot of stick we we weren't very liked because of what we did even though somebody's got to do it somebody's got to sell people samples on you know one person's treasure it one person's waste is another person's treasure so to speak so that's another that's not a shannonism that actually is a saying isn't it hopefully <laughs> um so yeah so i thought right let's go to rachel and see hopefully she's not going to be awful to us like some people were at white gallery one year um so yeah so i went along to rachel and um she's now a good friend of mine um somebody that i've worked with from the start in this industry and rachel stocked us so she was our first ever supplier really and there is some very very exciting things coming with rachel so watch this face for those yeah so like i said lots of people didn't like the business model that me and anna had um and the pre-owned thing didn't really work for us so we definitely moved into the sample world we then took on lulu bridal so they were our first ever dresses that we stocked so we could order obviously in more sizes and we found that there was a real niche in the market for them at the time because people were loving the teal length dresses so we did really well with them and i think that was our first insight into thinking do you know what actually if we stocked some designers i think we could do really well and you also, as I know some of you will have outlets, you'll be listening and thinking, yeah, this is me. <laughs> we, we wanted a bit of the glamour. So we thought, God, you know what? Our job's not very glamorous. But all these bridal shops, look at how glamorous it is. They get to go to New York. They get to go to Barcelona. Like, why can't we do that? Why can't we stock designers? But then we didn't want to change the business model because it was working so, so well. So we thought, right, let's have a little look and see whether we could open another shop so me being me always wants to always wants more and we found it so my mum and dad actually at that point decided that they wanted an investment property so we looked for a little shop and we found that which is now dotted but it used to be called joe's bike shop ye olde bike shop it was called it was like a landmark in Humphrey. so much so that it took us god but it took me two years to get the name off google and to be known as 
dotted bridle rather than Joe's old bike shop. So yeah, that was it, Joe's old bike shop. So it was a tiny, tiny little shop and anybody that comes into Dotty, we always tell them this was how we started. There was a wall here and this tiny little shop was our bridal shop. And honestly, it was tiny. So we didn't have anywhere to make teas and coffees. So I remember we used to have to make them in the bathroom. So there was a tiny little toilet and sink in there. You couldn't even get the kettle under the sink to fill the water up. We had no hot water. So we used to have a little like heater tank. We had no central heating. We had nowhere to eat as dinner. We had nowhere to put as bags. We used to have a little tiny mini fridge that we'd keep the milk in so it didn't go off. And a little dresser where we made the teas and coffees. But we made it work because... We knew we were always going to be a quintessential, quite cute shop. And that was our USP. And it, honestly, did people come? They, they came from far and wide. And it was crazy. We could not believe what was happening. Um, so during that time, myself and James were trying for a baby. So we had been for about, I would have said about eight months. And nothing happened. It... Yeah, I used to get really down about it. It used to be really upset me. And I just thought, you know what, baby, I'm not meant to have children. It's just probably not meant to be. And I think after, you know, you speak to a lot of people about that have similar or uh, in similar situations and you realise that sometimes I think stress can cause a lot of different things in your body. And I was worrying. I was constantly worrying that I couldn't get pregnant. So I stopped thinking about it and started putting all my energy into the business. And guess what? The day that we started painting, I fell pregnant. <laughs> Goodness me. So it obviously happened for a reason. And it was fine. We thought it's fine. There's me and Anna. Um, and we had another girl as well at the time. So we thought, right, we'll be all right. We can cope. Um, and then, yeah, nine months later, along came Nora. And, yeah, my life changed forever, like everybody does when they have children. <laughs> so we'd actually thought at that point, I don't think I can cope with two shops. It's just too much. We're spreading ourselves too thin. So we decided, we made the decision that the lease was actually coming up at Evelyn. So we made the decision to close that store down. And that was mainly made because of the fact that the we were, we were sharing brides so we had a lot of brides that would come to Evelyn and then say but I want to be a dotty bride and it was like oh, we'll come to dotty then but then they were like but I haven't really got the budget or but then we found that actually 90% of our brides wanted to buy from dotty they didn't want to buy from from Evelyn they wanted a new dress so at that time it was it was the right thing to do so that's what we did we closed down Evelyn and we opened, we obviously kept, just kept Dotty. But back to one of the reasons why we took the plunge into Dotty was on a whim, after we'd found the building and we were looking into things, I just thought to myself, I'm going to apply for Pronovius. I thought, I'm going to apply for the biggest bridal brand in the world here um, and see if I can become a, a supplier, sorry, a stockist of, of um, Pronovius. So I did, and along came Denise and she came out and she met myself and Anna. She didn't even see the building because it was, it was honestly, it was a building site. It was terrible. It needed loads of work doing. So she came to see us at Evelyn. And she said lots of other stores had applied for Pernovius. And yeah, that it was, it, you know, it was, it was very competitive in the area. But she wanted to give us a chance. So we told her our story and everything and, and it just made her think, right, I'm gonna I'm gonna give these girls a chance. And she always says to me now, I just saw something in you. I knew you could do it. I knew that you would make a huge success of this. And, you know, things like that, they do spur you on. It did make me think, you know, she knows that I can do this. So let's let's do it. Denise always says to me that I'm like a daughter to her. <laughs> And she just feels that she's watched me flourish and grow over the years and to where we are today, which is absolute craziness. So, yeah, back to Dotty. So, the name. So, when we first opened, we were actually Dotty Taylor Bridal. So, obviously, the other shop was Evelyn Taylor Bridal, which was my nana. And her grandma, sorry, not her grandma, her mum was called Dorothy Taylor. So, we kind of thought, Dorothy, hmm. 
It's a bit old-fashioned, even though my child's middle name is that. <laughs> um, so let's call it Dotty. Let's call it Dotty Taylor Bridal. But I knew that I would eventually drop the Taylor. So I knew, I, I was very well aware of big brands. I'd worked for big brands. I, I understood marketing because of my background. And I thought, I know we're going to lose that Taylor. So let's make it really small. So we, we had big, bold letters that said Dotty. And Taylor was very small in the corner. Anna did our logo. She designed that at the start, which is crazy now when you come to think. And when I look back, I think, gosh, look where we've come from. It's it's mad. So yeah, Dotty Taylor Bridal was born and we opened our doors. So that was back in 2015. So we're just coming up to eight years of being open here now. And yeah, we did really, really well um from day one really but I like I said felt that things were beginning to slip with the other stores it just wasn't right for us so we closed down Evelyn um and it was the best decision we ever made because we could really really focus on Dotty this role as you all know is so time consuming and we just knew we needed to focus on Dotty and not focus on other things but for me the sample selling has always been at you know in my heart and always been something that I I knew I'd only park it for a short while put it that way so you know if you follow us as you know something else came along down the line <laughs> but yeah within six months we'd outgrown the tiny little store we couldn't struggle any longer making tea and coffee in the toilet so I managed to convince the owners of the flat above Dotty. So there was a two-story flat above Dotty. Well, there is. Um, and I managed to convince the owners to rent the space to us. So they were actually selling the space and they wanted to sell it. Um, it were all very complicated, but they wanted to sell it and they didn't really want to rent it. But obviously at the time, there was no way that I could have afforded to buy that building. So... I managed to convince them to let me let it to rent the to rent the space. So they would only do that on the proviso that it was a let to buy. So I had to pay my rent, and then at the end of the year, I would have to buy the build the building, and obviously the rental payments would come off that that cost, which was great. But for a business that had only been operating for a year, it was now looking back a very big risk. But I didn't think that at the time. So I just thought, but great, we need it. Let's just do it. So we did it and it came round to the year and came round to the building needing to be purchased and we couldn't get a loan we couldn't get a mortgage to buy the build the building so the owners were like well we're gonna have to put it up for sale then bear in mind I'd decorated the building I'd done it all up I'd won my first ever bridal buyer award with the decor so we won the award for best in star design so it was the first year they'd ever done that um, and we won the award for best in star design which honestly was one of the proudest moments of my life the I had no idea that I would ever win that I was up against some massive massive big wigs people who I looked up in in the ind- looked up to in the industry I never in I never envisaged that, that that's what would happen. And I took my mum and dad and Anna along to the awards and when they announced our name I was like, Did they just say Dotty Bridal? Mum, did they just say Dotty Bridal? And she was like, Yeah, Shannon, they did. They did, you've won, go, go. So I dragged my dad up on stage who was very camera shy and does not don't really like talking to people to be honest so I dragged him up on stage and I think he was crying he does not like to admit that but I definitely think he was and it was the proudest moment of my life honestly to be stood on that stage in front of all those amazing industry industry leaders for me you know the likes of, of Hayley Hoyle from Harrogate Wedding Lounge it was Helen Lord from Lulu Browns they were Ellie Sanderson there was you know there was everybody people who I looked up to in the industry and, and little old Dotty Taylor Bridal had won an award for the best in saw design. I was just just gobsmacked. And I feel that I knew from that point on, I need to be one of these big wigs. I need to be as big um, and as well known and and have as great a business as those guys that I've mentioned. And yeah, they, they were the driving force. They probably don't know that. They might not even listen to this podcast, but they'll know now. <laughs> um. But anyway, yes, so back to the bank loan. So they were about to sell the building. They actually put it back on the market to sell because I could not get a mortgage to purchase a building. So I went to a broker who 
looked at all different banks and thank the Lord for Yorkshire Bank. So Yorkshire Bank came along, funny that it's Yorkshire. <laughs> they came along and they were like, yeah, we'll lend to you. So I am a very loyal person. So for me, I cancelled all my banking with my current bank, moved everything to Yorkshire Bank, who I'm still with today. And I cannot ever thank them enough for that because that, again, allowed us to grow. So yeah, we purchased the upstairs and we were growing and growing. And that's when we dropped the tailor. So we became Dotty Bridal. We had a rebrand with our amazing friends, um, at Pitchersmiths who gave us a brand new look and we became Dotty, what was known for, you know, we were known for being the pink star. Um, we were that big pink star that people would go to, that the brides wanted to go to. We were fun. We were everything that I ever imagined as being. So we fully renovated the boutique, did all the rooms up um, and again, the business grew. <laughs> it's a little bit of a theme here. So we outgrew the space again we were then thinking, right, we don't really need to take on more fitting rooms. So we're not fully filling the fitting rooms. But just imagine if we had a luxury room. So I really wanted to have a luxury space where it had a little bar in it, where it had more room for get for more guests because we were always quite limited. You know, the, the original rooms are cottagey style. They were limited on guest numbers. And I just wanted to offer more of an experience. So for me, it's always been about the experience. It's not about, it's not just about selling a wedding dress. It's about that bride absolutely loving the experience in store and having the best time ever with us. So I felt that we needed to have a bigger space to offer this luxury experience. So then next door, came up for rent. <laughs> we just like to expand down the street. That's what we're known for take over home first um so yeah next door came up for rent we went to look around it it was an old antique shop it absolutely stank i remember saying to beth there's no way we're taking this on it's disgusting it smells like mothballs and we'll never get rid of the smell but i thought no let's do it so we did we went into that and that allowed us to have a luxury a luxury fitting room downstairs which is known as our oyster suite and then we had an office upstairs which was great because we were always just working behind the cash desk and we had more floor space then we also had the scope to extend into another bigger room as well so that we'd have two luxury rooms and that we did further down the line and that's now our cloud suite so yeah we knocked through so we had to knock a wall out in between our building and the, the next door neighboring building and yeah the rest is history that is us now that was our little pink heaven a little slice of heaven in home first and that's when beth came on board so beth is my business partner and beth came into the business um about two years ago now and the worst possible time for Beth to come into the business. So Beth had worked with me as my Saturday girl. She was my original Saturday girl. And she came into the business the month before COVID hit. So the dreaded C. We're not going to talk too much about that because we all know it's a bad time and we want this, this to stay very upbeat. <laughs> um, but yeah, fast forward to that, six months along, yeah, COVID came. And Boris announced that we had to stay at home. And it'll stick in my mind forever. And as I'm sure it will with you guys, I cried buckets. I didn't know what to do. I thought, how on earth am I going to pay these girls' wages? So at the time, I think there was, I think there might have been five of us, five or six of us at the time. And I was thinking, oh my goodness, how are we going to do this? So actually backtracking a little bit here because we opened our outlet so yeah, as I said, my <laughs> love of selling samples, my sample selling bug, I knew it would never die. So I knew it I knew would open a sample shop again and that we did. So in 2018, I decided that we wanted to open another bridal boutique. But my idea with that was that it wasn't really samples. So what I wanted to do was I wanted to do lower end. So we were getting so many brides that came to Dotty and said, oh, I want to be a Dotty bride, but I don't feel like I can afford a dotty bridal dress and I think a lot of people thought that we were a lot more higher end than we were whereas we, we've, we've never been we've always been between sort of 1,200 and 2,200 tops I would have said but I think a lot of people perceived that we were a lot higher end than we were 
So I thought to myself, right, let's open another shop that's that's lower end. So let's stock designers that are like sub designers. So we stocked White One by Pronovius, and then obviously stocked Pronovius in Dotter. We stocked um, at the time it was Sweetheart by Justin Alexander, and then we stocked Justin Alexander in Dotter. So we did we did that, and we thought, yeah, that's the way forward because that way, then they're still part of the Dotty Bridal family. So we opened that shop back up and that was Evelyn Bridal and Prom because we also decided to do prom. So we were constantly getting told by people's mums that there's no prom shops anywhere, like why don't you do prom? And we thought, you know what, yeah, why don't we do prom? So we did prom, did amazingly well, really, really well. And then the bridal, it sort of took a little bit of a backseat. So I actually, I, I would never, ever have stopped doing prom, but my friend Lindsay, who... I'm going to be interviewing on this podcast in hopefully the next episode um came to me and she was looking around the shop and she was just like why are you doing all this prom and I was like well it does well we make money out of it and she was like yeah but you make a lot more money out of bridal and your bridal's not doing as well as your prom why don't you just focus on bridal and I just thought you're right you're so right and that's the thing that had happened with us with bridesmaids as well we'd found that we couldn't really focus on everything and I don't know how you know if you guys are all the same but it's same with social media like how difficult is it to focus on all the brands that you stock like you naturally push one brand more than you do the others on social media just because it's really really difficult and we do go like weeks of pushing one design and then we'll push a different one the week after because it's really really hard to promote everyone and that's what we found with prom that we became known for prom but not really known for bridal which is a bit silly when it was in the name but that's what had happened so we thought right let's scrap the prom get rid of the prom we don't need to do it anymore so that's what we did we stopped doing the prom and thank the lord Lindsay must have known but thank the lord that we did because covid hit and obviously all the proms were cancelled so Evelyn Bridal and Prom was not Evelyn Bridal and Prom anymore it was just Evelyn Bridal so when we got closed down for covid I'll go back to that time and like I said I am going to skim over it because it is not a time that I want to remember but I remember thinking at that point right I've got two shops here I've got I think it was about probably six members of staff I've got all this money to pay out we then found out that we got furlough so it was like right furlough thank god for that it means that the girls can at least get paid um, and I just thought to myself, I am not going down without a fight. There is no way, not a cat in hell's chance that I am going to give in. I'm not having somebody tell me that I can't run my shop and that I can't make money. And there you go. That's me again, red rag to a bull. <laughs> so I'm not saying that I came in and opened my shop and made money, but I found other ways of making money. And I had in my mind that anything that I do during this time and anything that Beth does during this time is going to make us money in the long run. And it really, really did. That was our time to shine. That was our time to be on social media, which is where everybody was, and just show off what we had to offer, why Dotty Bridal were the best. And we did that. And there's a lot of people who just sat back and didn't didn't do much in in during during lockdown which is absolutely fine because that's that's what they wanted to do and that's that was their choice and you know we made the decision that we weren't going to do that because one I can't just do nothing anyway which I really struggle with as we know and two I had this feeling in me that I needed to work my butt off and so did Beth during that time and quite frankly if I didn't have Beth we would not have got through Covid and there were times where I sat there and said I'm shutting the shop like I can't do this we just can't we can't sustain this amount of you know lack of sales and everything and and I just I just can't do it and if it wasn't for Beth pulling me around saying you can and I was like I can't homeschool a child have a baby and run this business and keep this business going and a lot of people thought well what did you have to do you couldn't open your shop couldn't open so what did you have to do during covid oh my god when anybody said that to me I was like I'm gonna bite your head off don't say that we worked harder during lockdown than I have ever worked in my life and you know both me and Beth did because we had brides sat there worrying and panicking that they weren't going to get their wedding dress, it wasn't going to be delivered, that their weddings weren't going ahead. They needed our support and that is exactly what we turned into. So we turned into a support facility for our brides and I know that they will all say, all the brides that we you know, we helped during COVID, 
I will all say like what an amazing job we did because you know I know we did we put our heart and soul into it so we did that we built up the Instagram we then came out of COVID with 10k followers which was always a goal of ours and that is something that I've always done I've always set myself goals and goals for the business and we do it at the start of every year we set our goals for the year so we'll say right this year what do we want to achieve and we look back at the previous year's goals that we've set for ourselves and see whether we've achieved them and a lot of the time because of the way that I am with my crazy ideas and everything we do go off on a tangent and there's new things that weren't ideas and uh, you know that weren't in the plan but all all is good um and yeah that time that hard work massively paid off for us <sighs> yeah so and it's just crazy it's absolutely crazy 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 what came after that point um so we opened back after lockdown I'm trying to think if I've missed anything out here. Like I, like I said, I was going to skim over the whole COVID thing. Um, oh, I've missed loads out. So during the lockdown as well, once we were allowed to start doing more, we decided to have a rebrand on, on the Evelyn Bridal shop because that shop was known as Evelyn Bridal and Prom. And we knew that we were doing, we were selling more samples, we were selling more things off the peg, as it's now known. Um, and we weren't doing prom anymore. So we had a rebrand in there decorated the whole shop did it fully did it up and it was called Evelyn what was it called now Evelyn Bridal Outlet that's what it was called that was the rebrand and I remember one day being outside painting the windows thinking why am I calling this shop Evelyn Bridal Outlet why what's the relevance in the whole Evelyn thing like you named it after your nana she didn't like a name anyway because everybody called her Evelyn and she wasn't Evelyn she was Evelyn so it used to really infuriate her so I thought everybody calls this shop Evelyn Bridal <laughs> anyway why are we calling it that and as I was painting I was thinking do you know you think of like brands and you think of Ron Seal it does what it says on the tin and I was like why on earth do we not just call this shop off the peg so the rebrand had been that we were going to be called Evelyn Bridal Off the Peg Outlet or something similar similar along the lines of that. And I just was looking at the logo thinking, why don't we just scrap the Evelyn Bridal and just be it Off the Peg Bridal Outlet and OTP for short? And that is where the name came from. And now that name is, it's crazy. Like we all seem to now refer to our sample stock as off the peg and it, you know it's a well-known term now and that's that's the name of our bridal shop so what an uh, what a fantastic thing to call it because it does what it says on the tin and everybody knows what we are nobody know nobody thinks right i'm not going to get a dress that i have to take home on the day from there I, i'm obviously going to get get a dress that i have to take home on the day because it's off the peg and it, we found ourselves constantly explaining what we did and oh you could order some stuff in but you can't order others and it just needs to be black or white it's you are you're either an outlet or you're not so that's what we became and the minute that we changed that brand and we opened back from covid that shop flew so we did that we did a rebrand on dotty as well so we just slickened it up a little bit so we were finding that we were merging into the crowd there were lots of other bridal boutiques that were pink and whites and it was becoming the norm and that is not what I ever want so we I remember having the meeting with Victor Smith and saying to them right I want something that's completely opposite I don't want anything that would ever look like bridal and I knew they'd come back with black and white because I knew that nobody ever would associate black with bridal and they did and we absolutely loved it so the logo was all hand-drawn and it just was perfect. It epitomised everything that we were about. It showed that we, as a brand, had matured. Um, and yeah, it was. That's that's it. That's that's the brand that we know and love now. So, gosh, opening back up from COVID, the first weekend that we opened, we absolutely we were absolutely inundated we were full in all four rooms and the first week of opening we actually sold 32 dresses and I don't I don't think anybody believes that because I don't believe that I still I've had to check that fact before I've done this because I didn't believe it myself um I do struggle to see again what we've achieved but in doing this it's, it's really like helping and we've not always been like that I'll go back to when we first opened and remembering that we would be very lucky to sell two dresses a week, let alone two dresses in a day, 
let alone you know two dresses in a month we some some months we struggled so badly I do remember there was one month which I think was December where we took 24 pounds I couldn't afford to pay the rent I couldn't afford to pay the bills there was hard hard times and people are right when they say you do not make money in business until you've been going for five years they're right they were 100% right and if you get through that time then you will go on to do, to do bigger and better things but you've just got to be on top of everything and you know hopefully this podcast can help with that in in the interviews that I'm going to be doing so yeah so we opened up and our turnover went crazy so you know we've we went from turning over a very very low amount um to then reaching like the VAT threshold in 2028 2018 we reached that um and just just a little bit more and then you know we'd had sort of plateau years where 2020 we did 299,000 and then into 2021 where we did 522,000 and it, it was insane so 2021 was the covid year and we were open for 6 months and we did half a million pounds in 6 months i can't actually believe that that happened again that's something that i've had to check back on but i just want to say that to put things into perspective of that has not come through from nowhere. It's not luck when people sit there and say, oh, you've just been lucky. Like far from it, it really offends me when people say that. This is not luck. Like I have literally given my life to this business as has Beth and as has everybody else really that works in here. And my team, it is not just a job to my team. It's not just a job where they go home at five o'clock and they switch off. Like it's a lifestyle. And that is what I say to everybody that I interview. Yes, you can want to work in a bridal shop it's it's lovely it looks pretty and oh what a perfect job you must have like little do people know how hard this is um but I say it to everyone if you want a nine to five job where you want to go home at the end of the day and switch off this is not the right role for you like this is a lifestyle and if you want to be submerged into it you'll absolutely love it and you'll be part of a team that you'll have friends for life from but it is life-changing and and it definitely 100% is Oh gosh. So yeah, so back to the outlet, so OTP. Like I say, that absolutely flew as well, did amazingly well. And Amy D, who ran that shop single handedly, turned over an amazing amount of money in there to the point where we were like, Right, I think we need to move this shop now. We don't have enough room. There's not enough rail space and we were fit to burst at Dotty from obviously the backlog of COVID brides, everybody buying, we were thinking gosh when these brides dresses come in we have nowhere to store these dresses like there is literally not an inch of this shop that doesn't have dresses in it oh gosh it was so bad so um we knew we needed a site where we could have the storage and we didn't really want it to be separate to the store but there was nowhere else that we could expand here we can't build up we can't build down so we actually started looking for another building in home faith to potentially move dotty to we then realised that nowhere is like Dotty. It's it's our home. It's so homely. It's it's part of the brand. It, it it gives the right message to the brides. It's where we began, and it's just home. And it, it would not have been right to move Dotty. So we found an amazing building that was actually travel agents before, and we thought, right, do you know what? I thought we can move the outlet into here, and then we can also have some rooms in here where we do our prefits and fittings and things to free up space in Dotty, and also we can get all the deliveries down here, so we can have a separate space to do, to steam all the dresses, to prep the dresses, and then a, pre, a, a proper 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 Yorkshire storage room where everything, everything can be stored in alphabetical order and just be perfect and and that it is so really that that otp building has been custom built not built but custom built internally so everything was ripped out of that building um everything was started again it was a full renovation which we started i cannot actually believe in saying this we started it this time last year um and it was finished by and ready to open by the september it's crazy to think that that shop has only been open that short period of time because it feels like a lifetime and it's it's fantastic it's a great way of selling on our samples from dotty so that's predominantly what we do down there um it's a great way of being able to provide a dress for everybody no matter what their budget and that has always been my ethos from day one I'm a, I am a very inclusive person where I want everybody to be a part of this dotty hype. 
And the only way that I could do that is to open a separate store to allow for different price brackets because having all of that under one roof, we tried it and it just didn't work for us. It was too confusing to the bride. We were getting so many different types of brides and it really made me realise that you need to learn a lesson from the fact that you cannot be there for everyone. You can't be the jack of all trades. Yeah the jack of all trades and the master of none you need to know your bride inside and out and that we do we know our otp bride inside and out and we certainly know our dotty bride inside and out um and yeah the the stars just gone from strength to strength and covid was horrific as we all know but it it gave us time to sit back reflect breathe and to analyze the business and and that's what we did and we really really needed that time so like i i'm thankful for that time to be quite honest with you right so where we are today this is the crazy part so where we are today so we now have dotty bridal which has four fitting rooms fitting suites so two luxury suites included in that um we then also have off the peg bridal which has four fitting suites as well um in there and our specialist like facility to do all our deliveries our storeroom our offices and we now have a team of 14 amazing women who all absolutely love and adore what they do and I would not be where I am today without those amazing women honestly the passion the enthusiasm that my team have I know a lot of people say it because they can see it on Instagram and say like oh what an amazing like place to work but gosh it is stressful it is extremely hard it's I don't think there's anything else like it I can compare it to retail to working for multi-million pound businesses and this is so much more stressful than any of those retailers that I worked for but I wouldn't change it for the world I can't imagine myself doing anything else and it's an absolute honour being able to do this podcast and to talk to you guys and, you know, to be able to interview some amazing people that I'm going to get to interview on here is is, is fantastic. But yeah, so Dotty has gone from strength to strength. We now have our own bridal line, Nori Ivy, which is exclusive to us. We just sell in our store. Um, we have some really exciting collaborations coming up. We've got some things that we've been keeping very quiet, which is very hard for me to do. <laughs> and just lots of exciting things and lots more innovative ideas and creative ideas to keep this business thriving and to keep us one step ahead, um, a relay and, and, and to being the best that we can be. And yeah, so we're now a diamond stockist with pretty much all of our bridal brands we know who we need to work with we work really well with them all um we've got great relationships with them we've also won lots of different bridal awards and um yeah and i've got a crazy crazy turnover so i don't even it's crazy saying this and i don't really like saying it but i think it's good to say it for people to realize that you can do it. So I remember being in bridal and saying to one of my friends, you can't make money in this industry. And somebody said to me, yes, you can make money in this industry. And I was like, no, I don't believe you. And I was always looking for more and looking for other things to do because I did not believe that you could make money in this, in this industry. Because remember, everything I'd given up to start this business, I literally didn't have a life for I, I bet at least five years. I didn't have a life. And I had no money, we couldn't do anything, we couldn't move house, like we had a tiny little house that was far too small for Nori to be in, but I just knew that it would be a success if I put my mind to it, and last year we had a record-breaking year um, where we turned over 1.1 million, and I never, ever in a million, million years thought that we would ever get to that point, but it happened, and like I said, it's it's down to the hard work, the dedication of my team. And I also think it's down to not really being in this. Of course, I'm in this for the, for the money. Like everybody is, like everybody needs money for the world to go around and we don't talk about it enough. But it's not about that for me. For me, it's about happiness and my team, as long as my team are happy and as long as my team are content and love the job that they do, then I'm happy. 
that's all that matters to me and equally that then portrays onto our, our our brides and our staff want to make sure that our brides are happy that they've had the best experience possible and that they you know that they've gone away just feeling a million dollars and and that's one of our major goals is to make sure that all our brides feel the best that they've ever felt so yeah that's um gosh that's my story and I do feel that something just clicks in you where you think I'm not playing at this anymore this is serious I'm in this this is a business this is not a hobby and I'm I'm in this for the long haul and for me you know I'm in this to hopefully set an example to my children that hard work does pay off and that you've got to work to earn money and it won't just land on your lap it is hard and hopefully one day one of my girls so I've now got two children two girls and I really hope that one day one of my children wants to take over Dottie Bridal and carry on the legacy um but yeah that is my story and I am so sorry that that was so long thank you for listening to the Dottie podcast any thoughts feedback or questions please drop those over to us on a dm or via our social media and do let us know what you'd like to talk about if you'd like to feature on our podcast or would like a specific supplier interviewing then do get in touch definitely tune in for our next episode in a few weeks time